Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Hello, Wizards fans. Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Matt Moderno. Got a really good one for you here today. First is Kevin Broom of the So Wizards podcast and Bolts Forever. We're going to talk about player archetypes, specifically with respect to Summer League and how valuable are the types of people that the Wizards are actually filling out the roster with and then transitioning into some of like, you know, the actual players on, on the real roster and those sorts of things. And just are they grabbing people that are worth spending draft capital on? So we'll talk a little bit about that and a couple other sort of you know, side inning total things. We'll talk about the Kevin Durant thing a little bit. Some comments from Drew Hanlon, Bradley Beal's trainer about Denny Avdia I thought were interesting. So we'll hit on all those. Stay tuned for for all that stuff. First, uh, let's hear from our partners at Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. With training camp right around the corner, BetOnline has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEF, B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, like I said, the first convo we have coming up is with Kevin Broom. Uh, Full disclosure, I am still sort of recovering from COVID, so if I'm a little croaky or, or uh, raspy or any of that stuff, I, I do apologize. Hopefully it's nothing too distracting, but uh, you know how we roll on this podcast. We're just going to power through. As always, if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. We love that. Rate, review, subscribe. Always tickled by any nice reviews we get. Been looking at the sort of um, statistics of where the podcast has been listened to. We we were popular in Sweden this past week. I don't know what we touched on in our last episode that really hit a chord in Sweden, but uh, that was a little funny to see the the episode trending there. So some funny stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's been really great summer for the podcast. Appreciate all of you guys helping us, um, you know, have a good year and, and give us great ideas for stuff to talk about and engaging with all of you online. It's just awesome to be a part of this community. So thanks for that. We we do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's just get into our convo with Kevin and, and let's talk some Wizards player archetypes. How about that? All right, bringing in Kevin Broom now to talk a little bit about on, on his podcast, Soul Wizards podcast. We did a really good breakdown, I think, of Summer League and who looked good, who was worthwhile. And part of what came up in that conversation, a reasonable amount, was just like not even so much the players, but like the outlines of the players they were trying to find and and who actually like meets these sort of different player archetypes. And Kevin, my, my thought during all of Summer League Again, for a longer breakdown of each individual player, please go to Kevin's feed and check that out. So Wizards, I, I think, you know, there's actually some some numbers to support some of my wild claims. So I'm, I'm glad Kevin could back that up for us. But do the Wizards draft valuable archetypes? Like the people, not even just draft, do, are they trying to add players to, team, to the team that, that are even like useful in today's NBA? Oh, that's a, that's a question for me to, to answer. Um, how, how broad and abstract is that, right? We yeah. can get into more specifics there, but I feel like that was like the common theme of the guys that we talked about that did well for them. Are, are there's, there's just not players that are meaningful in today's NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Wizards are, um, they're a little bit like the like the fashion house that sort of just copies yeah. the, the previous years or two years ago. I used to work in the RV industry. I do did public relations. And I asked a, a designer one time who, you know, designs these RVs to, he specifically designed the interior. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, how do you come up with like these, these schemes and patterns? And he said, what we do 
we look at what's popular in housing right now. And then in two years, that's what will be in the RVs. Interesting. And so yeah. they, they knew what they would do is just copy. And the wizards are kind of like that. You know, they, they draft players based on like what I think are out of date theories and out of date molds for the kind of players who are successful or the kind of players who make teams successful. Mm-hmm. And then they end up, then they try to throw it together and don't understand why the players don't work. So I think my answer to that is no, they don't. <laughs> and and that was just like all I thought watching all these teams and not to be that guy that's like, well, you can't tell if you weren't there at summer league, but there is something to be said for seeing these guys from 10 feet away and just seeing how, how they translate and how they actually look in person. And my like sort of recurring takeaway was that the wizards had probably the least athletic team mm-hmm. at summer league. And, you know, like, yeah, they beat the doors off of Phoenix. This is also a Phoenix team that just said very recently that they no longer care about the draft and building around young players. Now it's hilarious to me that their previous GM drafted both Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges. And those were guys that were, relative steals for them and then make the, you know, the core of their team. But um, yeah. Yeah, th- this is a team punting on young player development. And that's the one crowning achievement is that the wizards blew them out. So that, that should tell you something, but the productive players. And, and again, we'll, we saved the more detailed player by player breakdown for, for Kevin's pod, but Jaime Eshenike, Jordan, uh, Vernon Carey Jr. These are big, slow dinosaurs of players that are going to beat you with jump hooks and up and unders and all these things that your third center is never going to come in and do unless they're Robin Lopez under Scott Brooks. Like it's just not a thing teams are going to go to and your, your guards are small undersized people. And I, every year I'm like, we need wings, get wings. You, You see teams that are really good are building around three and D wings. And our answer to that is to not take the raw ones off, you know, the undrafted list and add them to the team. We're adding Taj McCall, who's a six foot three, unathletic defensive guard wing. Uh, yeah. Craig Sword, you know, these players. Like, it just doesn't make sense. So, I think that the for me, and this is, I mean, you've heard me make this point before, but I'll go ahead and say that the Wizards have a theory of basketball that I think of how to put together a team that I don't think is supported by reality. Mm-hmm. And I've described it as like the, the they, they think if you collect enough specialists, right? If you need to get shooting, you get Davis Bertans because he can shoot. And then if you need defense, well, you go out and you get, well, they never need defense. Theoretically, if they did. Yeah. Yeah. You go get, so what, let's take the Bertans example, right? Mm-hmm. So with Bertans, yes, he can shoot. And that shooting at times was like really valuable. The thing is, is you have to take everything that the Mm -hmm. player does in basketball. And so the idea that you can like, well, we need ball handling. So we'll put Meadow in or we'll put um, uh, plug and play, baby. It's, it's, you know, we'll put a Smith, right. We'll, we'll put him in. Well, okay. That's great. Now you've added ball handling. You've subtracted size, defense, rebounding, playmaking, Mm. shooting in many respects. Right. And so you subtracted all those things because you've had to take a guy off the floor. Yeah. to do that. And so the same thing is like, you talk about the, like the three and D that's, that is a value, potentially valuable skill set in the thing. The thing is, is like now you need more than the three and D because teams, team defenses <clears throat> have gotten to the point where they, there still is a role for those guys who can shoot the, the three who can shoot it well, but like that corner three, their teams are getting to it more. They're, they're, they've learned how to rotate. They've learned mm-hmm. how to close out. They've learned how to stunt and force passes and get back out there. And so what you need is somebody who can, yes, he can shoot the three, but he can also attack the closeout, right? Yep. He can put the ball on the floor and he can drive to the basket and make some other kind of play, right? And so a, a player like Otto Porter, for example, is a little bit of a dinosaur. He's still effective, mm-hmm. right? But he's he is a three and D four and D well, three and D in terms of shooting, whether you're sure. playing him at the, at three the four, yeah. it doesn't matter. But the point is like Otto is not going to take anybody off the dribble, even, you know, even, even if prime Otto. Yeah. yeah. Even if you're closing, you know, out of control and recklessly, he's still not going to do that. Right. So, but my point being that, that while the three and D player is useful, you still need playmaking from him. And you also like need the D. Sure. 
Exactly. He can't just be a three only player. And you saw this with teams like, like the Heat have said, we want two way players. And you know what? We, we could play Duncan Robinson. We can give him a big contract when he was so elite at shooting that the good outweighed the bad. And well, when the shooting drops 8% yeah. and the defense slipped from serviceable ish to bad, they couldn't justify putting the guy on the floor just by giving him $20 million a year. And yeah. And so that's what I'm I'm sort of looking at. And I, I the reason I, I'm really glad that you brought that up is I tweeted the other day after Summer League about Jordan Shackle is, is sort of where I wanted to go with this one. For anyone not familiar, he was a sniper at Fresno State. He was actually the best shooter on the West Coast that year, not Corey Kispert. So sorry about it. But he spent last year with the go-go and it took him a while to find the shot, the same way it took Corey a while to find the shot with Wizards. And he was pretty good from the mid-range. He, he actually puts the ball on the floor better than I think people who have never watched the go-go seem to all feel um, confident talking about, but that's fine. And, and I just said, look, if the Wizards have to trade one of their forwards, I think that they have a guy in their system that is most likely to step in and provide some reasonable facsimile of what Kispert gives you. Rui was a sniper for his limited minutes last year. And at some point in his career, we have seen him play defense. Now, can he do them both at the same time? We'll see. Denny, uh, you know, if, if if he becomes a shooter, he plays high-level defense. That's great. Th- those two players to me are harder to, to replicate based on who else we have on the roster than what Kispert is. Now, I'm not saying I would rather have Shackle than Kispert, which some people te- seem to think I'm saying. I'm saying if you traded a forward, you could probably more easily replace what you're using Kispert for than than those other guys. And, and that's only to say that Shackle could come in and be a shooting specialist. And all the Kispert hive came at me with, oh, but Corey's cutting was elite. It doesn't matter if you make amazing cuts if nobody throws you the ball. It doesn't matter if you can dribble enough to attack a closeout if you then know, have no idea what to do once you've gotten by the guy. You're not going to pass to anyone. You can't shoot from the mid-range that well yet. You're not going to make any floaters and you're not going to bang on anybody. And Oh, he's so much less athletic, uh, Shackle, than Kispert. Well, I'm sorry. Kispert didn't look like he was going to win any dunk contest this past year. Um, I do think he'll be a serviceable defender, mm-hmm. but he'll be a three and eh, as opposed to like a three and D in, in my Three opinion. and lowercase D. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and maybe like a lower font even too. So yeah, yeah, he was, he was pretty good once he started in those 20 games, but I didn't see anything revolutionary there. And to me, it goes back to this archetype conversation. I just don't value what Kispert is because there are so few examples of what Kispert does being a meaningful NBA player at the moment. The one everyone points to is Joe Harris. Joe Harris was a good defender. He's also fallen apart since then. And it would be interesting to see if healthy, how much he contributes, you know, in, in crunch time for, for an NBA team. The, yeah. The, the guys like Duncan Robinson couldn't play this year. Uh, well, with Joe Harris, too. Joe Harris was also a better shooter. Than he was a better Kispert. shooter, yeah, and and played defense. Yeah, even like the Kispert at Gonzaga, <clears throat> Harris, just a better shooter, period. Mm-hmm. So overall, I, I, I mostly agree with where you're coming from. In fact, I'd probably, like with Kispert in particular, I would probably go like a step further in that I think that the Wizards could trade him not replace him with Shackle at all and wouldn't miss him. Not lose that much, right? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, they've got other guys who can basically do what he did. You know, this is the thing. I mean, fans get really attached to mm-hmm. the players that are wearing the, the laundry, right. but like in overall bullets forever, there was like some galaxy brain conversation about how the wizards would be foolish to trade away and it was like Danny Avdia, Rui Hachimura, Corey Kispert, um, and I think may have listed a couple other of these young guys in a trail for Kevin in a trade for Kevin Durant. Trade them all. I'll drive them to the airport. Trade all of them, every single one of them. I mean, I right. I mean, it's it's it plus picks, right? It's like yes, of course, and yes, I understand. Durant's thirty four. You know, I actually wondered on Twitter, uh, do about. You know, do you trade for Durant at 34 yes. with the history of the Achilles injury and the other injuries that have happened since the the Achilles? You know? Unequivocal, yes, still. And my answer is, if what you're giving up is the the meh minus that the young guys who might one day develop into meh and in, in plus some picks for Durant, of course, 
of course you should do that. You know, it's like, it's no mm-hmm. question. And so that's where I am too, with like Kispert overall. And I, I like him. I think mm-hmm. he's like a, it's fine. Uh, he's a good player. He's a yeah. good shooter. And he did some nice things and I enjoyed watching him play and all that kind of stuff. And I think he could play a role on a, on a decent team where he's like, you know, the eighth man or something like right. that. You know, he's never a starter on a playoff team. Like, sorry. No. Uh, oh, but no. he cuts so well. It's like, sorry, <laughs> that, that doesn't matter. Uh, you know, lots of guys cut well. Though. That's right. I mean, yeah. it's not like that's an exceptional thing. It's, it's lots of guys can cut well, you know, it, it, some guys don't uh, of course. And, and it is a skill that mm-hmm. that does have like genuine value, sure. but at the same time, it's, it's not an irreplaceable skill. Yeah, it should make you untouchable you, because you can do that. Right. Yeah. So um, just, you asked me about this. I ran Kispert's rookie year through my um, statistical doppelganger machine. And for those who don't know the doppelganger machine, uh, what I do is I run the player through my database of like historical seasons. So in my, my database goes back to the 1977-78 season, which I picked completely arbitrarily. Can't think of a reason why I would have stopped there. I like that. Um, yeah. Well, I wonder what, what could have been significant in those seasons. Couldn't couldn't have been a championship season for the Bullets that year. Ten yeah. years before I was born. So that's yeah. fun. Uh, that's actually what got me into uh, being a fan of this team. Um, and so I, I I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> is I, I got on when they won the championship. And uh, so, but so anyway, what I do is I run uh, the player through and I do it on a per possession basis. So that the, and what, what, and, and then we include factors like age and there's like 13 or 14 statistical categories that work into it. And what theoretically it does is it spits out the historical comps, players through history who are like the player now. Right, the the base player. So Kispert this season, and so I'll give you the top ten. Are we going to be sad hearing these? <laughs> I guess is the first question. I need to give people like a disclaimer if this is about to make them like you know drive. What? I'm off not going to give any hints on this. I'm just going to read. I'll read you. Right, please, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and this is in order, not in terms of quality, but in terms of most similar. And this is okay. most similar production at a most similar age, at a similar age. So do you Kispert, have like percentage of comparison? Like this is a 95% match or like a, yeah, how I, at, I didn't write that on my list here, but so it, just is you know, that Kispert, how you do it? I guess. It's yeah. Just for, yeah okay, basically. Cool. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, and everyone on this list rated like an 89 or above. Okay. Got it. So, so basically 89% similar and it includes age. So Kispert was 22. The um, youngest so guy on the list. You, you've was, got pr- prime Ray Allen. Prime Allen Houston, Prime Michael Red, uh, is that where? Because because based on my Twitter mentions, that's how good Corey Kispert was this year. Okay, uh, sorry, I'll stop being snarky. Way, please, people please are shooting ahead. way too low. So uh, the oldest player on the on the list is twenty four, youngest is twenty two. Okay, so okay, the first player uh, most similar, Hollis Thompson. I actually like Hollis Thompson. Um, Hollis where, Thompson was was not terrible. Yeah, guess where he is right now. <laughs> yeah, but he he's, he did not last in the NBA. Right. Sounds about right. Also, was not a first round pick. Uh huh. Fair enough. So, um, and that was his age twenty three season. Uh, the number two player is actually a guy who lasted quite a while in the NBA, uh, Jody Meeks. Mm, okay, one of my least favorite Wizards of all time. Yeah, age twenty four. Okay. Uh, next one, I think this may be like the alpha pinnacle for where Corey Kispert can get. So it's Josh a white Hart. guy. Who? <laughs> no, Josh Hart. Okay, that would be yeah. That would be I would happily take Josh Hart on this. Team. Yeah. Yeah, age 22. So that's uh, he's that's the third most similar. Next guy on the list, somebody you probably don't want, Omri Caspi. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, if we're going to take like obscure skill sets to pinpoint, Caspi was like really good at like taking charges from people and being <laughs> annoying and getting them to, fr- you know, get into frustration fouls. So um, got to love that. Hey, you know, I mean, if Kispert could sort of channel, like if he could get the attitude of like Danny Ainge yeah. and just where he, you know, he's just annoying the crap out of everybody <laughs> right. all the time. Yep. Yeah. There's value. Throw a uh, couple okay, Captain so, Insano eye pokes at people and yeah, know, yeah. be a villain. Yeah. get Start fights with the opposing coach. Yeah. Like all right. Next guy on the list, Justin Jackson. Uh, okay. Also, not technically in the league now at the moment. I want to say he played summer league for the Celtics. Uh, this is a guy that's a multi-year NBA vet that is working his way back into the league based on being on a summer league team. Um, th- this is the Justin Jackson from uh, North Carolina, right? 
Yeah. Um, so he was in Boston okay. and he was a, a little above average uh, performing in uh, summer league this season. I would so rather we'll have Justin Jackson at this point. Yeah. Uh, the next guy on the list is Terrence Ross. Mm, okay. And I think that Wizards fans will be happier with that than they should be because of what Terrence Ross traditionally does to the Wizards. Exactly. It's not his games against the Wizards. It's the overall but, body of work. Yeah. If Terrence Ross could play only against the Wizards, he'd be all NBA every season, right? <laughs> but unfortunately for him, there are 20 and other If Corey teams. compared favorably to Wizards killer Terrence Ross, that would be an amazing comparison. Yeah, just so long as he doesn't like actually kill the Wizards. <laughs> All right. Uh, next guy on the list, Nick Stauskas. Okay, yeah. Also not really in the league much the last two years. He was on the end of the bench for the Celtics this year. And yeah. It was added partway through the year. So again, yeah. another fringe NBA play. Yeah. Uh, next guy, um, NBA champion, Daniel Gibson, Booby Gibson. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, basically got along with LeBron and yeah. stayed out of the way. Hit some corner threes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Next guy, I've got two more on the list. Um, The next guy is actually somebody who's he's a good player, Courtney Lee. Okay. I would take Courtney Lee. Pretty good defender, good transition, fast break guy, hit enough shots, um, kind of got injured because he was little. The Knicks tried him at point guard some this year out of desperation. That's not him. You know, he's he is a guard forward type. More of a three than than a one, I would say. And so the last guy on the list um, is another one that probably people would be more excited than they should be, but it's Tony Snell. Yeah. Okay. Tony Snell, who could barely play on um, a team where he was still shooting 50, 50, 90 or whatever it was. He shot. Yeah. He was, I think, did he shoot hundred percent? I think, I think he might've, I think he might've. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you think about how, how accurately he shot the ball. And like you say, he couldn't get on the floor. He was elite and a sieve on defense and still couldn't um, actually play. Uh, So the takeaway from this is that Court Kispert, again, it's his rookie year. I do expect he will get better. I have, you know, high enough hopes for him being a marginal defender. I think the shooting will improve. But on paper, this is still a guy who, after one year, as a fringe lottery pick, um, he went 15th. That's basically a lottery pick, in my opinion. is most closely comparing to guys that are are largely out of the league after a short stint. Yeah. I think the the thing with Kispert is like because what we're we're talking about him in the context of of trading. Sure. Right. And so if if you have a trade where you can get like a, a real NBA player, I mean like a solid NBA player, starter level, whatever, but if you can make a trade using him, mm-hmm. do it because what he does is relatively is relatively replaceable, right? Yeah. You know, the, you think about Garrison Matthews. There really isn't much that Kispert does that Garrison Matthews didn't do, yeah. right? Or or Joe Wieskamp was the one in the draft. He was yeah. a similar level shooter, except by the way, he had a forty inch vertical jump and actually right. could hammer through you and and suck yeah. your soul out of your body. Who who picked it? The Spurs picked him, right? Uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> or picked him up. Um, he, he didn't get drafted, I don't think. Maybe he oh. did late in the second round, but um, yeah, he, he didn't play in summer league either. Yeah, so you know, that was a guy that, like, come draft night, it's like, here are the comps for Corey Kispert, and it's like, here are the next couple of shooting specialists, and it's like him and guys that like Shackle that didn't get drafted again. Yeah. Shackle is a better collegiate three point shooter than Corey Kispert yeah. was, yeah. and He's a lesser athlete to some extent, but it's not yeah, like he's definitely a lesser athlete. But and I think that that matters. But it, it does. It certainly does. Um, and I don't think he'll ever be like a meaningful NBA contributor. But could he be your guy to come in and, and hit a couple threes and space the floor, a la a Tony Snell or something? Great. Could you go get Tony Snell on a veterans minimum? Maybe you know, like it, it's it's those kinds of things. Like if Kispert was gone tomorrow, we would never feel the impact from it. To your point, yeah. And I think that's a that's a little bit of a problem when you're looking at the 15th pick in the draft. Not that you necessarily expect to get like an all star, typically from the 15th pick or even like a you know 10 year starter or anything like that. But for it to be fungible to the point of trade him, don't trade him, whatever, because what you can get from him, you can largely get or get 
you know, 80, 90% of from a street free agent, right? You can, you could go right now, you could go to the G you could find a guy who can shoot, who's shooting, you know, 40, 42% from three point range in some league and who can come stand in the corner and shoot threes, which is pretty much what they'd ask him for and can make some nice cuts and stuff. I mean, you could go get Jared Utah, um, who is, is a actually has probably about the same kind of game, except he's a little bigger than Kispert and maybe even a little more athletic. And he actually already is a villain. I have seen him poke someone in the eye on purpose. So <laughs> uh, he already checks that box that I'd like to see from. Gordon. But he's, he's a guy, he's like a good, I mean, he's older and stuff like sure. that, but whatever. I mean, they, they went out and signed Anthony Gill. Who's who's already old by the time they got him in. And Gill was supposed to come in and be a shooter because he shot forty five percent on two attempts per game in a league where they left him wide open. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was the new Bertons. Like it, it's just this is the whole question. Like for me, it is is going back to are they bringing in guys that are are sort of valuable straw men for players? And that was my whole point about Shackle. It's not that Shackle was great, and everyone's like, oh, I can't believe you can say that about him off of five games to summer league. Well, first of all, uh, not to be smug, but to be smug, I've watched more of the capital city go-go than well, probably anyone else in this fan base. I, I feel yeah. confident in saying, and, and, and he does some nice things. He's not great. Kispert is better. He will be better. Uh, he'll have a much better NBA career than Shackle will. But, but this, that was the point of like, you know, th- these are replaceable guys. Your GM said he was drafting all these dudes to be reserves, and, and yeah. that's problematic. Yeah. This is something that also, I mean, we've talked about like the Wizards and their sort of theory of the player of their of, of how to build the team. But the other thing is I've I've often made jokes about the the about how delusional they can be, and not even joking, right? It's mm-hmm. just for example. The, the lavishing of money and status and everything, everything they could possibly give to Bradley Beal. They are treating him as if he's like LeBron James level player when he is not, he's not close to that level. He's slightly better CJ McCollum. Yeah. And so that kind of thing is just kind of like, it feels like they're deluding themselves mm-hmm. um, with that. And so but I think that that permeates like everything that they do in the sense that they they make moves as if they are a good team that needs to like add little fringe. Yeah, here's the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And then they do other things, too, where they're like, well, we certainly don't want to add bring another player over that we might have to put on the roster. So let's draft this guy that will stash overseas for three years. And again, you've got like Memphis gave Golden State everything they could handle. Eventual world champion Golden State Warriors gave them everything they could handle, loaded roster, and they went out and got a bunch of good players to compete. And the Wizards missed the playoffs, and they're they're like, well, we've got enough talent over here. Don't need to to go out and get anybody. We'll just make these moves. We'll get some veterans in. They'll be be pretty good, but that's all we need because – We've got Beal and he's our he's our star. We've got a star. We're paying him. See, look how much money we're giving him. He's a star. And um we've we've got this Porzingis guy. Everyone calls him the unicorn. And Let's will it into existence. Too. So he's a star. Yeah. And uh and you know, they should be okay. Like I said before, they've marginally upgraded the roster. But mm-hmm. I think that the way they go about the way they go about building a team and the way that they they draft the way that they treat the players. It's it. They act as if they are already good yeah. when they are decidedly not. And this is another tweet that I had that pissed off some portion of the fan base. So let's just like make this me, me on uh, against wizards, Twitter to some extent Matt, here Matt for Madero a minute versus you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming for you guys. I, I said, look, Corey Kispert and Denny Avdia should be on this summer league roster. I'm not saying that they should have played 35 minutes a game for five games, but there's there's really no reason that Denny was there and he couldn't have suited up for the first game, if only to provide some amount of leadership to see some reps of him with the ball. Oh, well, he's going to play for Israel later in the year, so he can't do both. That, that's literally almost a month apart between the two events. He very easily could have been there and just, hey, we want to see point Denny. Give that effort the ball. Like, let's let's see what that looks like. See, here's the thing. I would say 
actually kind of the opposite of that. And that is one, they should be there. And two, they should be playing 30 minutes a game, five games. It, it would and be better. I'm just saying at a minimum, get them the reps, yeah. get them doing yeah. everything that yeah. you, you want, you think you might want them to do. You want point Denny play point Denny, right? I mean, I'm talking, you put him out there and he is like legitimately your point guard for 30 minutes a night and see what the hell happens. Right. You actually make use this developmental opportunity. And yes, I understand that he is going to play for his national team. That's great. It's an important, month, valuable right? experience. Sure. He's 21. <laughs> right. He's not going to be so exhausted. He can't compete all year. Hopefully. I mean, if he, if he cannot play summer league for the 20, I mean, I say 30, but realistically he's going to play 25, 30 minutes, yeah. right. Or, you know, 20 to 25 minutes. Right. And for, for over a couple of weeks and then still have three weeks until, you know, he goes to training camp with his national team. If he can't do that at age 21 as a professional athlete, what the hell is he doing? Right. It's a, it's, there's something wrong there, right? That's the, they're on the Gafford conditioning plan at that point. I mean, yeah, it's like, get, you know, get with JaVale's doctor, get yourself an inhaler, um, <laughs> something, because good God, if you can't play basketball for 10 days and then basically take a week or two off, get ready, go into your, to your uh, national team, I I don't know. I mean, Kobe Bryant, and I realize we're comparing Kobe Bryant, but Kobe Bryant in his thirties was doing six out in the off season, six hours a day, six days a week, right. For six months of the year. I mean, he worked his, his ass off and you can't tell me that the, the workouts that Denny Avdia is doing at age 21 are harder than the workouts that Kobe was doing. Well, this is a perfect segue to, again, like I was willing to say for Denny as a third year player, if he wanted to play like a minimal amount, so be it. Kispert should have played all five of the games as many yeah. minutes as they yeah. could give him. But, they both should have played the whole uh, thing. But, but it, like, let's say you want to give Denny a pass, so be it. But but to your point, we just heard Drew Hanlon say in an interview about when uh, they asked him, what did Bradley Beal say about Denny Avdia? And he said that he was never pushed or trained properly. He also told me that Denny has a lot of potential and that he can become a great player. But for that to happen, he needs to improve his shooting and be more mentally stable. Okay. He was never pushed or trained properly. So we're going to reward that by telling him that's okay. You sit in the front row next to Kyle Kuzma and Rui Hachimura and you wear your cool summer league outfit and uh, we'll show you on the big screen a couple of times. Like that's the kind of player that we should be sending a message of, Hey, your ass hasn't proven anything yet. You need to be out on the court. And if you don't, you know, you're going to be here again next year. Like that's what we should be telling him. This leads me to another point, and that is, so we've talked about their theory of players. We've talked about um, how they behave as if they're already good and they just need to keep tweaking so that they can reach the pinnacle, the lofty pinnacles of seventh place or whatever it is that they their goal yeah. is. But the other thing the Wizards do is they act as if the players are doing them a favor. Right. To actually play basketball you think about thank like, you for thank you for allowing us to pay you 11 million dollars a year yeah and so you think about like the miami heat the one of the selling points of the miami heat that they actually use to recruit free agents is they say you are going to come here and you're going to work your ass off yeah. right you're going to work hard and the other players will tell them you're going to get in the best shape of your life mm-hmm. and they'll they'll tell them you're going to hit these body fat targets you're going to hit these fitness targets. You're going to hit these benchmarks in game. They, they count things like how many times a player gets his hand above the rim, right? During the game. And they've, they've worked, they've got 25 categories, probably more than that now, but, and they've got an index that predicts whether or not they're going to win based on whether the players on the floor are actually hitting these benchmarks. And they demand that. And if you don't get your hand above the rim, a certain number of times you get fined after the game. There are right? weigh-ins for these players, like actual weigh-ins. Think about yeah. that. And you think about like after winning the championship, Antoine Walker came to camp the next year and he, he had missed his body fat percentage by something like, you know, two tenths of a percentage point. They suspended him yeah. and made him work out until he could get his body fat percentage measurement. And the mm-hmm. thing is, is like that, that difference, I was talking to a nutritionist one time and she told me that difference of, of that small is actually like within the margin of error. So yeah. he really probably had already <laughs> just made fine. It. Yeah. He, he had too big of a lunch that day and threw yeah. the measurements on, yeah. you know? And so, and then where I'm going to go with this is like the, the wizards should have been saying to Avdia, you're playing summer camp. 
yeah. summer league, right? You, yeah. you will play yeah. because you have work to do and we need you to become a good player and we need you to work. And so this is an opportunity for you to do that with our coaches, with our system. It's an opportunity for do to do some of the things that you say you want to do. Right. Put your ass out there and do them, right? And to be honest, Denny should have been pushing for that. Now, maybe he was. Maybe he wanted to do it and the team could, told him no. Could be, which wouldn't surprise me knowing yeah. the Wizards. And, and the thing that doesn't jive, and I know some percentage of the people listening to this are like, Matt is just some short, fat, dorky, white guy in glasses, but I am reasonably connected with some folks in, in sort of draft circles that that know this stuff. And, you know, the, the team itself prides itself on their ability to push players in pre-draft workouts harder than any team in the NBA. And so if that's your your linchpin of, of your draft processes, we're going to take guys that don't barf on the court. Like th- there is a very productive player in NBA summer league right now that threw up all over himself after his workout with the wizards this year. And I'll just leave that as a tease for anyone to guess. And if you want to DM me some guesses, you're, you're welcome to do that. But it's a player that looks really good, but the wizards, you know, they worked him out so hard. He, he yacked on to himself, which is funny uh, to think about, but that's their, that's their thing is we're going to put you through this stressful workout. So like, why not push these guys as hard as shit the rest of the year too? Gafford still has conditioning problems. Like, I mean, I don't look at any of these guys and think like, this is the most jacked team in the NBA. So um, I, I I would like to see them push these guys a little harder. Hey, you know what, Corey Kispert, you attack a closeout really well. Let's you break some guys down. Can you shoot a step back? You know, like this is the time to see it. And, and I wouldn't even care about the shooting percentages. I don't think you overreact to, Hey, Corey tried some shit in a game setting that he would never try in an NBA game and it didn't work. Like that's cool to see. Yeah. The thing about that is that if, if Corey Kispert goes out there and shoots 10 step back threes in summer league, right. And he misses all over 10 and he airballs all 10 of them. Right. It's like, okay, Corey, we've learned the step back three is not your thing. (laughs) Exactly. Marry that until next year. Right. Don't shoot them ever. We'll, we'll, we'll find other things for you to do out there. Uh Right. That's that's great. Like, it's valuable. If if you try Danny at point guard in summer league and he just flat out sucks, more turnovers than assists, can't make sure. plays, can't get by anybody. It's his pocket league, picked okay. every time. Yeah, right. that's you know that that's really okay. Mm-hmm. That in the sense of we know that he has you know legitimate NBA size, legitimate NBA athleticism. Right. He does have legitimate NBA skills. He can do some things out there, so you, you can have him more focus on those things. Realistically, though, he wouldn't have, right? I think Avdia probably would have been okay. Couldn't have been much worse than the guys. Worse than Henry, right? Exactly. It's one hundred percent right. And and some of the pushback I got was, well, they were both good this year. What else do they have left to prove that we would learn from summer league? Uh, Jonathan Kaminga guarded Luca in the Western Conference Finals, and the guy played considerable minutes for the summer league team. Josh Giddy, oh. there's a world where he's an all-star this year, or at least gets enough votes to be a fringe all-star. Like maybe not next year, but the year after. Like, yeah, he, he's a much better player than any of the Wizards young guys. And he asked to be there, and they were like, Great, we were going to tell you to be here anyway. Right. Uh, um, and here's the thing with those guys is they weren't good. They yeah. they were both rated in, in my stuff, like solidly below average. They weren't <laughs> terrible. They, you know, Avdia certainly was improved from his rookie season, but his rookie season was terrible, right? And so this isn't a case of these guys were really good. This isn't, um, I man, I'm just trying to think of like, you know, Jean Morant, like in his second season was freaking terrific. Sure. He really didn't need to go to summer league to like l- demonstrate anything that he knew anything, anything like that, right? Didn't need that. Avdi is not in that class, right? There's so many things that he needs to show that he needs to work on. Same thing with Kispert. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, same thing with Hachimura, although I yeah. don't think any fourth year or coming up, he's coming into his fourth year, right? Fourth yeah. year. Uh, him, I'm I'm okay from, um, from, from that perspective. And he was also better than they were last season. Right, I think so. Even though folks are pretty down on him, and I think rightfully so. I mean, he sure. was basically a little below average last season, at least in my stuff, but he was mm-hmm. competent. Yeah, yeah. There's a world where he's a, a serviceable NBA player on on the team next year on a playoff team. Like I, I can see that at least. But it, it goes back to all the same thing here, and this is this is the 
the archetype question for me too, like and just a full circle, all of this. The, the reason I've been a proponent of Isaiah Todd is less to do with Isaiah Todd specifically, but at the very least, they said, hey, it's the second round now because we traded down, which is fine. They tried to get a former first round pick and a guy with first round talent as Tommy's move of getting distressed assets. You know, going into the year, Isaiah Todd had some hype. The guy was top 10 in his recruiting class for most of his high school time for a reason. And I think you could convince yourselves that, okay, pandemic, he didn't get to play much. You know, it, it stifled his development a little bit. Maybe we can jumpstart that. But there is a world where Todd is a 6'10 shooter with athleticism and reasonably quick feet. Like, if that pans out, that's a valuable player based on what everyone else in the NBA is trying to build. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, we we passed on um, Deuce McBride or Ayo Dasunmu or, or guys that I actually like. And, and if you go back and look at any of my pre-draft stuff, like McBride was pretty high on there. Mm-hmm. But oh, now we've got Cam Thomas averaging 29 points per game in Summer League, and you've got some fans that are ready to like take a swim with their hairdryer plugged in because we took Todd instead. There's a Cam Thomas every year in the draft. He's a shorter, undersized, lower efficiency volume scorer. And uh, maybe he ends up being a better NBA player than I think, but that that's not a hard archetype to go out and find. Uh, there were several in this year's draft class. The Wizards have had them in the past, Jordan Crawford and Marcus Thornton and, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, Jody Meeks. Like th- those those players are, are not hard to find. Yeah. Todd, the best version of Todd is hard to find. And he could be, he could be, he could totally not pan out, but I at least see what like they were trying to go for. And after years of us shitting on them for Cassius Winston, there was no world where he was an NBA player. Admiral Schofield, no world where he's an NBA player. And if they are, they're not they're not valuable or hard to find guys. Right. That that's where I'm trying to go with this. Like at least that represented something different to me and some sort of thinking beyond what they typically have gone after. Yeah. Um I, I hear you and I, I agree with you to a point. It's just with with Todd in particular, um, I re- I didn't really see a case before the draft, you know, based on what he had done in G League night, which is what I had, I had evaluated that I didn't really see the path forward for him to become like an NBA player, um, like a good NBA player. And now, and as he's, you know, entering his, you know, his second season guaranteed season with the Wizards, you know, he was pretty bad with the G League last season. He had some moments, but he was pretty bad and he was, he was really bad in summer league. Mm-hmm. And the hope, of course, is that he he somehow figures it out. He he is fairly young, although I will say that when I hear like, well, he's only 20. The, the thing that pops immediately to mind, like every time is at 20 years old, Magic Johnson was doing 42, 15 and seven in game six of the NBA finals to, to win a championship sure. when Kareem was injured. Right. And so that and that's not to compare the two because they're obviously stratas and stratas and stratas apart and players, different players develop at different times, all that kind of stuff. It's just the, the age part of it. It's something to keep in mind, but it's also something to keep in mind that there are lots of players who are great when they're young. And usually the best players at say 27, were also the best at 20 and 21 and 22 and 18 and 17 and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't really see the path forward. And the other part of it was I, I did dislike them trading down in that draft, uh, especially getting Aaron Holiday as the payment for moving down because I didn't think that Aaron Holiday was any good. That, that, so that's the real issue with that trade to me is more about the Holiday pick uh, of the guy that they thought would sound like you and I talked about it at length. Like I just, if you can't beat out TJ McConnell for minutes, you're, you're probably not going to come in here and be like a really good backup all of a sudden. So that was the guy they targeted though. Um, I, 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 you know, if you were going to try to get a guy that's your backup point guard that you think can do that for you. And the cost of doing that is moving down eight spots. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Um, yeah. Especially if Todd was the guy that they liked at 22 anyway, which 
from everything I've heard is, is actually the case. So yeah. um, I think Todd is one of those guys that could theoretically fall into that blind spot that you and I have talked about from like the Yoda perspective of you're drafting him based on the stuff you saw him do prior to playing in a grown man's league. Um, you don't have the college shape to evaluate. He dominated high school competition for a reason. And, and again, I, I do think there are going to be some of these younger guys where we will see some people have slower development arcs because they missed two years of basketball and, and, and things like that. So again, you, you, everybody runs their own race. Uh, I, I'm willing to say that it's been bad. It's been a lot worse than I expected. Yeah. Um, Summer league was shit. And, but I think people that watched the go-go last year, if you watch two games, there was a game where Todd was really good and a game where Todd was really, really bad. Yeah. And if, if you focus on the really, really good, there's a pathway to an NBA player there. Now the chances of that, happening are looking lower and lower every time yeah. I see the guy right. play. But yeah, again, well, the thinking to me is just like, this is a dude I've seen hit five consecutive threes. Um, and, and this is not a situation where the wizards had great point guard play yeah. on the go-go last year. So if he could actually get some re, re, you know, relatively easy looks, he looks good when his feet are set and he just has to catch it and shoot it. It's the, I dribbled six times between my legs and then I pulled up and the ball rimmed out that that doesn't look so good. He's weak. He's not strong enough, Yeah, but he moves his feet reasonably well for a guy that size. He also just like, will get caught daydreaming on defense too. So um, I'm not blind to the stuff that's terrible about it. My entire point is that I just at least see like, kind of what they were looking at there and every team would like a 6'10 guy that shoots and defends and is athletic yeah um he may never actually be that but (laughs) but it goes back it goes back to the archetype question here and it's just to me a six foot five shooting guard who doesn't shoot and isn't actually that athletic to be at a lottery pick is a weird archetype to, to dive in onto so to me um the guys I had higher on my board than him which by the way, he showed up 14th largely because he was so productive. I couldn't justify putting him lower. And it was largely with the thought that, okay. And I think I caveated in there is just, if you think you can actually make him a lead guard in some setting, okay. The things that I'm, I'm down on him for are sort of less impactful, right? But that seems a pretty unlikely thing at this point too. So like to me, there are archetypes that make sense. I, I took some grief for having Marjan Beauchamp ninth on my board, but he looked considerably better in summer league than Davis did. Yeah. Um, you know, I, if you've got the PPA handy for him, I, I think that would be interesting, but I promise you it's not a negative number. No. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not good. It was 69. Was yeah, his yeah, it's, fine. it's fine. But um, so he, he wasn't that great, but he was not a negative. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, more than a hundred points better. You know, and 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 again, it's it's a mixed bag too, right? Like two games are really good, two games are really bad, and yeah. um, I, I can live with that too. But I also saw situations where, like, he actually, like, when they played the Mavericks summer league team, uh, Jaden Hardy could not score with Bochamp on him, and when they switched off of him, Hardy went apeshit. Like he was unguardable for anyone else on the team. To me, a six foot seven guy with long arms and great athleticism. There, there's a like blueprint for those guys being successful in the league. And there are far less of them that are six foot five that aren't long or athletic that do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see the, the, the thing with Todd is I just felt like he was so far from sure. um, being that just yeah. the, the amount of stuff that he has to work on. I will say this, that he uh, is the, both the source and the uh, pr- producer, he, he initiates more delusional comments than any player I can remember since maybe Jordan Crawford. I like that. Uh, th- so d- Tommy's just- saying that he fits every prototype, uh, and and no. you know uh, Isaiah himself saying that he's going to be the most, or that he thinks he can be the most versatile player in the history of basketball, or whatever it was he said. Cool. Like, you know, kid, be be delusional. Threes, you know, but just hit some threes. That's yeah hit some threes and defend and just focus on that. And then if you can do some other stuff, uh, do that. And, you know, he says this and he, he w- one assist in all of summer league. It's, it's bad. 
Yeah. He, I don't know that he passed. I don't remember seeing him pass. So I'm actually shocked that he had. I actually saw his assist. Okay. So, uh. <laughs> and it was probably one where he threw it to a guy who dribbled nine times and then they scored on their own and he gets credit with the assist. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, I mean, like the Todd thing hasn't worked out and, and that's going to happen. I just like the thinking there better than the previous couple of second round picks. That That's my whole thing. And I will say I like I, I like the thinking there in that you know, picking one is the, again, it's like the mechanics are, are more or less correct, right? Trade down for a guy that, you know, you, you like in the twenties, but you can trade down and get extra stuff, get some extra value and still get the, the exact guy that you wanted. And that guy does in theory fit a, a prototype. The thing is, it's like they, they traded a first round pick for two guys and, and neither one of them looks like, Right. Even like a remotely decent NBA player, you know. I think you just said that better than I've said that. We're like, I like the logic. The execution is flawed. Yeah. Um. And and that's just sort of more. I don't know. More summing up the Wizards sort of. Um. I don't know. A structure structure for building out a team is just. Uh, yes. Even when the logic is good, they they kind of flub the landing on on all these yeah, things. Well, it's like they they. Like I said, the mechanics of the deal, like, okay, trading down, getting extra stuff, like the 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 deal itself, it makes sense in the sense of like, you, you got extra value, you still got the guy that you wanted. The the problem is on the, the player evaluation side where you can look at Aaron Holiday and think, yeah, oh, yeah. he's, he's, we're getting a steal here. It's, yeah. it's, and you know, the, to be honest, you look at Isaiah Todd and you say, yeah, we're going to spend 31st, but we're going to guarantee three years for this kid because we think in year three, he's going to be, you know, a, a solid rotation guy, maybe starting for us. He's going to be, he's our Rashad Lewis of the future. And it's like, it's more work than that. And a lot of this work is stuff that he's just got to do. And it's like, it just reminds me a lot of, you know, when they went out and signed, I'm blanking on his name, but that point guard, um, he played, they got him from, uh, I can't Tim, believe I'm blanking on the name. Because Tim Frazier. Tim Frazier. No, before that, before that. It's the one they signed to the, the, the biannual exception on the first day of free agency. Eric Maynard. Yes, that one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for. Uh, we could have done that for 10 more minutes of wizard charades of who was the bad point card that they went got. But. And this is a guy that are like, yes, we got our guy. We did it. We moved quick. We, we got him. We got a bargain. Right. All this kind of stuff. He couldn't play. Yeah. Right. And this is the guy that, that they thought they were getting putting one over on the rest of the league, and they literally just had to dump him. At least Maynard was good before he got here. Holiday was never good, which is even worse. See, Maynard wasn't actually good. He was he was basically replacement level before, and he had torn his knee. You know, I think that was he was a considerably lessened version of the player that maybe didn't even rate. I mean, out he was ball. he was like he was a like a subpar backup at at, at OKC. Mm-hmm. And then he tore his, a- his ACL and he came back from that and was replacement level. And then in Washington, he just fell apart completely. It's weird that players didn't get better after that. All right. Yeah. We, we, we could kind of attack their team building all day yeah. here and, and do this. I appreciate you having that conversation with me because I, I just needed to like rationally talk that out for, <laughs> for some minutes. Um, just real quick to close this out. We, we did reference this a little bit. Um, uh, Sam Amico of Hoops Wire has said that the Wizards are a team to watch out for as a landing spot for Kevin Durant. That seems about as realistic to me as Jennifer Lawrence's bed being a potential landing spot for me later tonight. But yeah. um, I guess, you know, wh- what do you think about that, Kevin? And you can comment on either of those things, either Kevin so, Durant or the Jennifer Lawrence, whichever you like. Yeah, I think the Jennifer Lawrence thing is probably less likely. Okay. <laughs> but, um, I, I couldn't see... I mean, Durant does not want to play in DC unless he, he, he would have to completely change his mind by coming to DC. Um, So he doesn't want to play in DC. So first of all, you have to be able to convince him that he wants to come to DC. Now he is under contract and, Mm -hmm. you know, so theoretically, if you made a trade for him, you could, you could play hardball with him and say, you're either going to play or you're going to sit and we'll suspend you and you don't get paid. In which case, you end up in arbitration and what have you done? Right. You've yeah, given and you still probably pay him anyway. <laughs> right. And and then you're, you're out whatever assets you gave up to get him. And 
what you, you, you get literally nothing out of the deal except embarrassed. So I think that's r- ridiculous. But I think also absent Garnett saying, I want to go to Washington, the Wizards, Durant, I, I can't team. imagine any other team. Well, it's, what I'm trying to say is I think mo- there are several other teams that could easily beat what the yeah. Wizards have to offer. You know, the Wizards would give up the picks and probably some swaps or whatever. And then. But Corey Kispert, it, I mean, we can't afford the, to trade I mean, this is the thing is like they don't have good young players. And so, you know, it, the, the Nets might like like Avdia and Hachimura in the sense that if if they could get them for free or get them at league minimum or like some small contract, they bring them on the team and, sure. you know, they could find roles for them and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But a team like the Nets is not going to be interested in like those guys as team building assets, yeah. you know, as, as f- to, to build their future. No, they're not going to do that. And so, I mean, to me, like is a complete no brainer from the Wizards side of things. Is you have a chance to play for Durant. He played at a high level last season. I don't think he was like truly at that MVP level. I don't think he's the best player in the game or anything close to it. Well, close to it, yes, but not. He's not. The Giannis is like better. Mm-hmm. Jokic is better. Um, that's probably the list. <laughs> there, maybe you maybe. could make a case for Embiid, you know, but they're they're in that ballpark. Yeah, but I mean, still, regardless, Durant is still one of the top seven, eight players in the league, period. Probably higher than that. So if you can trade three firsts and two two swaps and, you know, whatever salary filler from the rest of the roster, you know, if, if they want Porzingis, you give them Porzingis. If you they want Kuzma, Avdia, Hachimura, Kispert, Johnny Davis, um, yeah, cool. Moderno, you'd go ahead and do I, it. I would trade myself for the value, you know, for all of your benefit if that's yeah. what it took. And I would put the little water bottles in the back of my car and Uber drive all of the other guys to the airport and take them out of town here. It's just, yeah. I, I tweeted that he would be the best player to wear a Wizards jersey. And one of the responses was, well, what about Michael Jordan? I'm like, yeah, nah, if Michael Jordan had been prime Michael Jordan while he was here, he would be better than Kevin Durant. But this version of Kevin Durant would be the best version of any player that has worn a Wizards jersey. I, I think yeah, pretty safely. Yeah, I think that it's entirely plausible that, you know, if, if he has like the kind of season that he had, like, you know, he played 70 games mm-hmm. and he played the way he did last season or this, you know, the season before that, where I think that it's arguable that he could be, could have like this best single season of any player in franchise history, period. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, you know, whatever that third year of Bernard King looked like. <laughs> I mean, even then, like Bernard King, it's it's so funny because, you know, King, he made like the all-star team and he he was wonderful. I loved watching him play and all that kind of stuff. He was better than average, but not a lot. Yeah. You know, Durant was was oh, yeah. really should blow that away. Yeah. And like I, I'm I'll defend Gilbert as like one of the, the best players I've gotten to watch in my time as a basketball fan, but yeah. the best version of Gilbert is not better than this version of Durant. He just isn't. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no. Um, I mean, arenas was terrific. He's um, probably my favorite all time, like wizards bullets player to actually watch play. Yeah. Um, Magic Johnson is still my favorite player of all time period, I like but it. I loved watching arenas play. And part of the reason I loved watching arenas play was something that I think uh, it seems to be lost. It's like there was no cool with arenas. He loved being an NBA player. And he, I mean, he, there was nobody who seemed to enjoy being an NBA player as much as Gilbert. Got his money's worth out of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he loved the theater of it. He loved the the taking the shot and turning and walking away as the ball's going, you know, and you see other players trying that Nick Young and (laughs) missing that is really one of the best gifts of all time or GIF or whichever one people choose to say. Um, yeah. All right. I, I think we have hit on all these things. Kevin, thank you for doing this again. If, if you haven't listened to the full summer league breakdown, that'll be on the, so wizards feed you can find Kevin's work also at bolts forever. Kevin, anything you got uh, that coming up that you're about to write about or, or anything. So I'm going to be writing a little bit about what we talked about on my, for my pod. And that is uh, the summer league. And, uh, you know, what, what the players did. I'll focus a little bit more on the stats and probably just try to keep my complaining to a relative minimum. 
Yeah. If anyone is still listening at this point, this that this is where the complaining comes in. This is the safe space. Yeah. Kevin, thank you as always for the time. Thanks for helping me make sense of all of my random wizards related thoughts. If you liked what you heard, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and that we were presented by betonline.ag. We'll catch you next week. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done